This week on the Physio Foundations podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Luke Nelson, aka Sports Cairo Luke, about running and running related injuries. Welcome back to the Physio Foundations podcast, where we talk about the knowledge and skills that provide the foundation of expert clinical practice. I'm your host, Luke Perriton from Monash University Physiotherapy. And this week, I'm welcoming back a guest from way back in episode 13 of the podcast, and that's Dr. Luke Nelson. And if you enjoy your podcasts and you've probably heard from Luke before, he's really active on social media, particularly on Instagram as Sports Cairo Luke. And he's very active as well within the professional associations in our country, in Australia, such as Sports Medicine Australia and Sports Chiropractic Australia. And he's also run a sub three hour marathon, which I'm itching to ask him all about mm -hmm. since he announced that he did that. And we're also going to talk today about working with runners in the clinic. So there's lots to chat about. Luke, welcome back to Physio Foundations. Thanks very much for, for having me, Luke. There was obviously wasn't enough complaints the first time that I was I was on. So I'm I'm honored to to be back again. I know you've had a few few repeat guests as well. So uh yeah, I've enjoyed listening to the the episode since then and honored to be back on. No, there was good, lots of downloads, lots of interest, and you know, people got a lot out of the, the episode. We dived into some of the we're really talking in in this if you found this episode as someone who's generally interested in running, you should know mm. that this podcast is 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 for health professionals. If you find it interesting and you say a running coach or a runner, that's mm. great as well. But we're really I guess as a caveat, this is we're talking to health professionals and health yep. professional students, and you should always seek the advice of your own health professional for any problem you've got yourself. But um, if you do listen to it and find it interesting, that's great as well. Luke and I last time we dived into how he helps manage people in the clinic and guide them through running related injuries. Mm -hmm. and that was really, that was a really interesting part of our last chat. So I was hoping to get back into that. But before we do remind us all what you do clinically. So the sort of types of people you work with and yeah. special interest in what you do. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in private practice in, in Melbourne in a clinic in Mont Albert North. So I've been there now for in that practice for four years. And before that was in another practice for 16 years. So just uh, just actually celebrated my 20th year in practice this year. We had a reunion with uh, with friends from, from uni, which was great to see where everyone has got to. Um, but I've been based out of that clinic now for four years. Yes, a, a strong interest and passion of mine is, is dealing with runners. It's something that uh, I reflected on years ago the type of people that I loved working with and I guess lit up my you know life and and got my desire for for, for practice and so I then set about to I guess surround myself with with more of those people and and so I yeah attract a lot of runners into the practice um it would be probably the last time I looked about probably only about 40 or 50 percent of it that my caseload would be would be runners of, of varying abilities uh, and then the rest is a good mix of of mainly other sports um things like uh, Australian football and soccer and cricket and and uh, lots of things so there's a bit of bit of uh, uh, other stuff to uh, to mix it up a little bit for for variety but by and all there the majority is um uh, uh, runners recreational runners um so I uh, yeah see a lot of mainly a lot of lower limb related injuries um tendinopathies patellofemoral pain um medial tibial stress those sort of things there and uh but then dealing with the other sports still keeps me going with you know shoulders and and uh neck issues and all that sort of stuff as well mm. last time we chatted you were 
in your clinic and I could see in the background you had the squat rack yes. and you had all the, the treadmills and all the running related stuff in the background so yes. today you're recording from home so recording from home yeah we've yep. got the uh, got the the Collingwood um, premiership uh, um poster up behind me there as well too so that was uh yes yeah, so as a as a lifelong Collingwood supporter it's been a been a good uh, good month a month here so, so for our um <laughs> overseas listeners the Collingwood Football Club is a Australian rules football and they won the premiership this year so Luke's yep. boasting away there about his his team's victory so that's yeah you to enjoy that so yeah as I was explaining to some friends recently from the UK that they're like the Manchester United that they're, they're, they're very popular but they're also very hated so uh, that's uh, I guess a similarity drawn there between different sports <laughs> oh, they did well it's their year so <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah so you so when you say you work with a lot of runners also yes. those field sports they involve running as well so running is exactly. a big part yeah. of the the, the management um or be part of the the questioning and the and yeah, the, that's the thinking right. that you're doing with people yep and yep, exactly and, and and that's where again you know we look at uh, look at running i mean running as a, a sport is is one of the most popular uh, global participation sports um but it, it is also a fundamental part of 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 field sports as well so obviously in our country things like um soccer australian football rules uh and then overseas you've got things like lacrosse and, and other field sports as well too there so it's yeah it is, it is a big big part and and so uh, again that's where i do see a lot more a lot of even across those sports a lot of lower limb uh, related injuries as well mm. let's dive into a little bit more about maybe in continuing on from episode 13 mm. if people want to go back and listen to that and continue on that chat we were having where I was asking you about how you actually approach helping people because yep. there's so many different ways you can help people in the clinic. You can take different yep. approaches and get to the same result. Yep. So, you know, so I'm particularly interested in some of the more complex presentations as well. So how, yep. how you help people with problems that are more chronic or persistent. Yeah. So first of all, how, what do you prioritize when you first meet someone as a patient in the clinic and the main thing is running they're doing a lot yep. of running yeah and they've got an injury what are the, some of the first things you look at so i guess the, the thing we've got to recognize with running injuries and and injuries in general and and, and pain is is the multifactorial nature so i, I think that I, I like it in that especially in that that initial consultation it's it's some investigative work from our behalf as the health professional so we we really need to be Looking at at the different contributors and and what may have have contributed to to this injury, um, so we're looking at things like um, training loads. We're looking at things that we can talk a little bit about these as, as separate. We're looking at things like training loads. We're looking at at tissue capacity, so things like strength and mobility, those sort of things. There, um, we're looking at potentially biomechanics. There, uh, we're looking at at different stresses and and recovery as well too. So we're sort of encompassing across all those things. So. To start with, I mean, I collect a, a new, I get all my new patients to submit a form, um, which collects a lot of information on on through there. So we like people to be sort of as thorough as they as they can, and then I'll review that before they come in. So I sort of got an idea of of what might be going on, and you know, I guess where our conversation might might go. Uh, and then I'm spending usually good uh, good ten or fifteen minutes just having a, a chat to to the patient. So you mentioned before what's one of the first things we do, but I think it, you know, we we need to develop that rapport and that relationship, you know, fairly quickly. Um, in that um, that that initial consultation, so 
just listening to I just you know say to the to to the runner or to the uh, to the patient you know tell me your story why 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 you're here today and, and let them sort of start to go on and if they need to be guided in, into uh, you know or, or drawn back on the on the path a little bit then then I I do that um, but uh, we mentioned before in the previous episode the importance of, of listening and so so it really is just listening to to their story about what uh, what brings them in today um, they've also got a, one of the questions that I do ask on the intake form is you know what are their expectations. Uh, of of their initial consult, you know, what do they want to achieve with with treatment, uh, and what do they think is going on? So again, we can sort of see some of the things that they might want to be covered off today. So they, for instance, if it's a runner, they might sort of say, "I want a, a running gait analysis." Um, and so within that consultation, I've firstly got to ascertain if that's something that would be worth their while doing. If, if that's what's spending our time. If it's not, then I need to tell them why we're not doing that today. Um, but if it is, we'll, we'll make sure that we we uh, and I think there might be some some role there in their, their biomechanics, and that's something that we, we will ensure we have time to do. So so sort of get an idea of what the, what they're expecting as well um, of me when they're uh, when they're coming in. So after that 15 minutes, I mean, I, I work off an hour, a one hour initial. Um, so then that leaves us sort of 45 minutes to to then look into um, sort of further uh, further testing, um, and then where there's treatment or rehab there as well too as as, as part of that. Um, the training load, and, and we mentioned that before as well too. So training load is is very important, especially when you when you are dealing with uh, with runners and and recreational runners that aren't being coached. Um, because there's no, you know, there's no school of running, you know, we're not taught how to do it, you know, what we should be doing, how much we should be training, you know, rest days, intensity, volume, all the, all these sort of things we, we, we're never really taught. Um, and so I like to consider my role as, as an educator as well too. So I'm, I'm, you know, I love educating uh, my patients and, and my runners and informing them, well, okay, instead of doing it this way, you know, perhaps it's better to do this way so that we don't run into this, into this problem again. Um, so training load is quite important because that is a, is a common mistake that we see in, in recreational runners. You know, there's usually two things. We see that they run too much too soon. So they, they, they're increasing their volume too quickly. Um, and the second thing is they run too fast too often. So I call it the four twos too hard too too much too soon too hard too often um and so i'm looking at some of those things in in their um firstly just a discussion with them so i'll sort of say luke tell me a monday to sunday what your what your week looks like from an exercise point of view um, so we're trying to capture that. I might actually get there, get them to uh, give me their, their Strava and pop their Strava up there and we can have a look and see uh, what their training history might have been like uh, through there. Uh, and there's different other tools that I'll use also for, for, for looking a bit deeper into, uh, into training light if, uh, if I'm suspecting that there might be some, some contributors uh, there. Um, and so that's an important one for, for, for gathering their, their training stress. And I, I also do the same thing for really any, any of my active patients that you know, give me a Monday, Monday to Sunday of what your training week looks like because some sometimes and I had had one the other day is a, a you know a talented youngster and you know as they often are playing two or three different sports and you go through the week it's like well you've got something on every day if not you know two things on every day and you've got this you know chronic knee complaint I think we might need to have a you know discussion about about training load there and, and modifying that so you know like a lot of these things you don't you don't know until you've you know until you've assessed them you know you can't just assume these things you have to sort of gather the information and then ascertain whether that's acceptable or, or whether that needs, you know, needs some some attention as part of their uh, part of their issue. Mm. So listening is that foundation for you mm. of that approach. So, yeah, you know, and thinking about and listening to people about what their ex- expectations are, what they want to achieve, what they want to spend their time on, yep. rather than you saying, "Well, with everyone I meet, I do a, a exactly. running analysis." What if yep. what if you don't need that? What if you've already had one done? What if that's not of your your interest? And sort exactly of aligning. Right. 
expectations. What you, what we talked about in the last episode, which I took a, I did my first YouTube short. Thank ah, you, Henry. My nice. 10 year old showed me how to do it and it was <laughs> <Nice>. you. <laughs> and he showed me, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, well, I'm one of my generation X. So, and, and he's generation yeah. alpha, I think. According to typecasting everyone had put their generation. So he showed me how to make a YouTube short and we got you there and you were were talking about that importance of listening and letting the person tell their story. So Mm. that gives everyone a really nice idea of your overall approach. Tell us a bit more about the injuries that people get when they run. Yeah, so look, one of the probably the more common runners, the injuries that we see in, in recreational runners is patellofemoral pain, and, and not surprising, it's given the the uh, nickname of, of of runner's knee. Uh, so that's probably one of the more common things that we'll see in recreational runners. Also, medial tibial stress is is one of the more common ones. In sort of, I guess, more experienced runners, we're, we're looking at things like tendinopathy, so Achilles tendinopathy, um, you know, some of the foot pathologies like plantar, plantar heel pain, um, and you can see some patellofemoral part of some um, patellar tendinopathy. ITB again tends to be more in your recreational runners around there. So usually a lot of a lot of knee issues. Um, throw in some hamstring tendinopathy there as well. Um, you know, glute tendinopathy sometimes in in uh, in older ages and and some hip issues, and then we've got the nasty ones. Ones like the, the stress fractures and and thankfully I don't see as many of those um, but certainly see them and you've always got to have your uh, your ears pricked up for uh, for those and just recently had we've had a couple of actually femoral neck uh, stress fractures one off the back of uh, someone doing the Melbourne Marathon a, a, a couple of weeks ago and developed a, um, a femoral neck stress fracture just from uh, from that um, and so you've always got to be got to be aware of, uh, of of those nasty injuries don't want to miss those well, the road running is so much harder than the trail running on your body. It is. It, it's mm. um. You know. It, it's uh. Yeah. They are very different. You know. They're, they're you very different faster. scenes. And yeah. And, and I've you know. I've got I've got patients involved in you know that in in the ultra scenes. And then I've got uh, you know the the road runners. And having done a bit of a bit of both, um, they are a different a different um crowd. I think that that gets drawn to drawn oh, to both. Yeah. I mean, I think your your uh, road runners are very much more you you know the obsession with pace and and uh you know getting fast and and doing that not to say that 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 um that the trail runners and ultra runners aren't, aren't fast at all um but it's a very different you know it's a long sustained suffering suffering that they're doing you know being out there for 12 24 hours out on on a, on a track but um yeah very very different people and 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 there is a, again a bit of a, a mix of different injuries as well too you see i mean with the trail runners you've got you throwing there your acute injuries as well too things like you know they can trip and fall so you've got your your ankle sprains and you know, mm. uh, fractured ribs from people people falling and, and and that sort of stuff as well. So that that does keep it uh, keep it interesting. Well, let's talk about running speed and surfaces and mm. how they relate to those injuries. So so you sort of touched on some of that. You said ITB. You see that more in the recreational runners, maybe yep. with patellofemoral pain as well. Um, tell us a bit more about how fast you're running and how that influences some of those. Yeah, so there's, there's sort of, with- I mean, Rasmus Nielsen uh, did some did some work looking at this in in terms of categorizing injuries by whether that was brought on by more likely brought on by sudden changes in volume versus um, sudden changes in pace. Uh, he tended to find that that those sudden changes in volume where they've they've done too much too soon. So going back to those those four twos before. So those that were brought on by sudden volume tended to be more your knee related pathologies. So things like your patellofemoral pain and your ITB. Uh, whereas those that were brought on by sudden changes in in pace, so that they've either done, you know, they've increased their speed work, or they've introduced it, or they've done an extra session there, um, they've gone particularly harder on a, on a on a session. That's where you might see things like uh, Achilles tendinopathy, plantar heel pain. Mm-hmm.
pain and and calf strains as well. So, and that's not to say that's that's not the the, the steadfast rule, but as a, as mm. a general rule, um, we also see in terms of elevation as well that that that, that can play. So we see um, especially downhill and and uh, and I've experienced this myself too. Going, you know, doing a, a course and running particularly hard downhill, I was very sore in the uh, and it, it pulled up sore in an ITV a couple of years ago. So downhill running is is quite hard on the knee because the the quads and our and our knee. Um, are basically the decelerators of our body mass. So as we, as our feet hit the ground, their job is to stop us essentially falling forward. Um, and so when we're going downhill, we've got a, an increased flight phase, um, and and with that um, that greater greater ground reaction force, and, and essentially those quads are working a lot harder to, to decelerate our, our mass. So they'll be put uh, under greater stress there. So running downhill is harder on the on the knee, whereas going uphill it tends to be harder on through the calf and the Achilles and the, and the foot there because they're the they're the muscles that propel us, propel us up. Um, now, one can argue that what goes up comes down. So usually when you're doing a course, you know, you've mm. got equal uphill and, and downhill there. So um, when we sort of say, um, you know, have you have you done a lot more downhill running or uphill running, generally just looking at, at changes in elevation can give, right. you, can give you that. So that's something, that, again, you can gather through their Strava profile or their Garmin as well, looking at their, their weekly um, uh, elevation and, and, and sudden changes in that as well. It's so useful to have so many people with so much data because mm. of the widespread uses of of, of watches and yeah, all accelerometers it, it, and everything that sit in those watches. It's, it's, it is amazing. Like I, I mean, I love I love being a runner as well too. And, and as as you know, you are yourself. You know, they're often type A data driven personalities. So so that you know, there is a, a lot of information that we can get access to these days. I mean, I love to you know looking into into some of the data. So um, you know, there's there's some some great uh, apps which I, I recommend using. Things like Runalyze, which is a free program to to use to, to analyze training data. Um, in, a, in our course that we teach, that's one of the programs that I, I recommend health professionals get used to doing when they're working with runners is using Runalyze. Um, I, I use personally, I use Training Peaks because that's what I, I also um, do running coaching as well. So I, I use that so I can get the, the runner joining up to that and access their historical data so I can actually troll through the through the stuff there. But yeah, again, looking at things like intensity and volume and and um, and elevation are, are some of the things to to uh, to comb through there to see if if what they're doing is is you know the training wise is contributing to their to their injury, I mean, I guess technically by definition, any running injury has to the, the running has to play a role there. So you know, otherwise it would just be an injury; it wouldn't be a running injury. Um, and so, um, what we've got to see is it is it more a training load error is what we're looking for in the um, by looking at that uh, that data. Mm. So training load, from what I'm hearing, plays a big a big role in what you're assessing and also yep. in, in some of these injuries. And mm. I found that really interesting, your summary there, volume, pace and elevation and how that might sort of profile with some of the different injuries. It's a nice starting point for people yep. listening Absolutely. to this anyway to mm. think about, well, is there a pattern in what people are doing? Yeah, and that's so, again, you really know, good. we're looking we're looking for, you know, mistakes that they're making because, again, you know, a lot of these injuries can be repetitive and, and recurrent and, and so if we can – Educate the runner, as I said, if we're, we're we're serving that role to to inform them, and if they're saying we can say, look, Luke, you've you've done this, and as you can see here, you've you've pretty much gone from you know twenty k's right up to sixty k's within a couple of weeks, and and you can see how that's quite a bit of a, a challenge, a stress on your body there, and your body doesn't have time to to adapt to that, and so in future, instead of doing that again, we can actually do a little bit more of a, a staggered process there, and that will you know lower your chances of ending up in the same situation there. So it's I think it's every every injury 
library provides an, an opportunity to, uh, to, to learn and to, uh, to educate as well. Mm. There's some obvious stuff we need to do before we go for the more advanced mm. top of the pyramid stuff, isn't it? The foundations. Yeah. Absolutely the right. The theme of yeah. the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's where, you know, there's often, you know, people acknowledge that training load is an important thing, but in terms of how do we do that, I think is is the, uh, you know, it's often given a bit of lip services like, oh, yeah, training load, training load. But it's like, well, how, how are you actually going to assess that? Um, and that's where, again, one of the things that that I teach is is using certain platforms and, you know, from ranging from a, a beginner's way to do it, you know, very simple and basic looking at the, you know, the graphs on Strava to to doing a more advanced analysis and using platforms like Runalyze and looking at, you know, uh, training intensity zone. And, and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, and you've just been up in Sydney doing that course, teaching that yeah, course the other week. Yeah, it's, so, been, yeah, it's been yeah. nice to um, – we, we created the online course um, the start of last year. Um, I, I did that with um, with the MAT, MAT group, so Movement Assessment Technology, and it's been nice post-COVID now to get out and, and do, uh, do face-to-face now. So we've done a couple of – Couple of face-to-face courses and, and looking uh, looking overseas uh, into to next year as well. So it's been been great to, to do that and share share my passion with uh, with lots of different health professionals. Mm, fantastic! Tell us a bit more about the more challenging, chronic, persistent problems. You mentioned medial tibial stress syndrome. You've mm-hmm. mentioned tendinopathies and stress fractures. So these are and so and we, stress fractures could be a, a follow-up question as well, given the you know, the red flags and the other things that need assessing. But tell us how your approach differs when someone has something a bit more long-standing. They may have seen some other people before you. Uh, they may be frustrated. There may be some psychological or psychosocial factors. Yeah. Um, how do you tackle that? Again, looking, look, you know, taking that that approach of all right. Well, let's you know consider that injuries are multifactorial and let's really make sure that we're doing especially for those quite complex and and chronic ones making sure that we're really ticking off all those 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 facets there so you know we would have to to do quite an an in-depth delve into into their their training loads because it likely hasn't done been done before um if Mm. unless they've been they've been coached by someone um certainly the psychosocial aspect of it it can be really important you know there can be even things like their their recovery as well too so asking simply you know how many hours of sleep do they get a night you know what they rate their nutrition as and and you know whilst that's not a validated outcome measure it can just sort of start a conversation about some of these things so i'll usually ask them to rate their stress out of 10 rate their nutrition out of 10 and then how many hours of sleep are they getting a night and if they're they're sort of you know stress wise they're they're putting on a on a 10 out of 10 stress and i'm getting four to five hours of sleep a night um there's there's going to be you can bet there's going to be some discussions from my behalf to to them about the importance of 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 recovery and and no matter how much they're doing um they need to 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 keep that balance and um I, i like to use the you know, a seesaw analogy with with rocks and and having you know on one side their stress and the other side their capacity. Um, and you know we've got all these rocks on one side. So if we're putting work stress, training stress on on this side through here, we're sleeping quite poorly. And then on our other side, we've got capacity. So that's you know their fitness, their strength levels, their their biomechanics, how they move. Uh, and if they've got more rocks on the stress side than on the capacity side, well then then that's where where injury is going to result. So the way I explain to 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 them to the runners is, well look, we need to be either taking rocks off this side to get balance or putting rocks on this side or potentially both to get things back into uh, back into balance there 
And so, you know, mm. telling them that that my job is to work out where these rocks are and and how we can we can move them around to uh, to get things back into uh, back into balance. That's a good um, analogy. So, I like it. Yeah, I like. I mean, there's mm. there's also the uh, I know Greg Lehman's got his cup analogy as well too. So you know, cup being the capacity and and stress being the water that overflows. But for me, I've always just found that the visual analogy of of, of a seesaw. I've I've found it you know good to comfortable for me to explain it in that in that regard. Um, and and you're also re- recognizing that you know every injury is is unique and and that's where one of the things I love and excites me about about private practice is that you're never going to see two things the same. You know you can have one person with patellofemoral pain can have different way different contributing factors to to this person over over here. You know this person one person might have just been done too much too soon. Their training training load was 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 terrible, but everything else is looking pretty good. And then you've got this person over over through here that's got you know um, below average strength. Uh, uh, you know they've got some um, biomechanical issues that that, that that may be putting greater stress on that uh, on that patellofemoral joint there, uh, and so the management is going to be very different for, uh, for for those two people. And I know that's sort of one of the challenges with when we're looking at at research and at the literature is that you're always going to have you know a, a heterogeneous group of people. You know you're never going to have everyone the same in that in that group. And so trying to put people into one group, give them one intervention, and and see what works um, is is you you're always going to get to of mixed results and, and that is the challenge of research and i know that you'd, you'd well and truly know that know that um and and that's where i guess sort of taking that you know i like to take what's i i read a lot of the literature and i, I enjoy that and and taking that and you know trying to apply that into uh, into to clinical practice but recognizing that that everyone is an individual and um and that's where your you know your clinical judgment comes in a point of view into thinking well is this relevant to what's going on or is this just noise like is this not relevant at all yeah. um and that, yeah. that takes a bit of practice i think as well well, the research should never replace or become a recipe or um, or a replacement for clinical reasoning. No. And, and I think you've given a really nice summary of why that is. And sometimes research is, or the intention or the usefulness of research is a bit misinterpreted if you don't yeah. think about putting together your, your patient's views and your perspectives and clinical experience. And it's, it's just something that should add to that. But Agree. We dig- we digress anyway. I, I, I want to ask mm. you about medial tibial stress syndrome. Oh, that's, yes, that's yeah. really tricky. Yep. Can, so some background for people. What is what is it first, and 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 how do you help people with it? Yeah, so medial tibial stress syndrome is quite typically it's, it's typically um, and I had one just uh, just two days ago actually on Monday. Uh, they'll come in and they'll pretty much point to usually the mid third of the uh, of the, the shin uh, it's usually a spread over over a few centimeters so i'm always worried if if they're coming in and you know i'll say to them where's the pain so vincent's this this guy that came in on this runner that came in on monday um written on the on the new patient form i've got shin pain i'm like okay well that could be anywhere so the first mm. question i'm going to ask you know ask him is well you know where's can you point and show me where your pain is and he pretty much went like this with two fingers and and when it's over over this sort of distribution through there so i'm already straight away thinking that's probably going to be medical tibial stress syndrome um if they're pointing with one finger i'm a bit more worried um if it's a bit more confined because that that can suggest more likely to suggest a a stress fracture so we're always aware of that um so quite typically with with these they can behave a little bit differently and and there's there's some talk of and and i've heard others and and probably seen a bit of this as well in terms of subtyping them between a 
bony sort of stress medial tibial stress syndrome and then almost like a periostitis uh, medial mm. tibial stress syndrome so they can behave a little bit differently um, so you can find some that will that will warm up so they actually you know with exercise they, they warm up they feel a bit feel a bit better only to return later and you can get those ones that they just do the more exercise they do the worse it the worse it gets um, so there's sort of two different um, uh, subcategories there um, in terms of the actual cause of it, we, we there, there was initial theories that that that's where the you know the soleus blends and attaches in through there, or potentially the long flexors of the foot. That there's some some pulling on the um uh, the the bone and the periosteum there, but it's not actually it doesn't really the the pain the area of pain doesn't really correlate to that attachment. So that the current line of thinking is that it, it's more a, a bending force of the of the the tibia that's uh, that's that's doing that. So it is kind of on the spectrum of of um. Uh, of, a, of a stress fracture, but if you were to image them, they they wouldn't show the signs of of um, of bone marrow edema that you would see with a uh, with with a, a bone stress injury. Mm. Um, so, so in terms of the cause, we don't really know. But but um, yeah, typically the symptoms are a, a widespread. And I, from memory, I think it's five centimeters is is the the definition. I think is we got five centimeters. Um, so I'll often measure that. I'll, I'll sort of actually go and this is what I did for this guy through here. So I'll palpate down and say, tell me when it starts to get sore. Um, I'll put a mark there or have my ruler next to me. Then go. Um, inferior from the so start from um, superior run down the uh, from the knee um, run from inferior up from the medial malleolus there and then you get a zone of of of, uh, of tenderness and then I just sort of mark down I like I, I say um, you know from seven centimeters up from the medial malleolus we've got a a, a palpation area of, of nine centimeters of, of of pain so and I, I will actually track that and I do find that that does that does sort of narrow as they get okay. better um, yeah. it, again it never narrows to a focal point because again that's more of a worry as we if we see it go down to a you know to a single finger then that can indicate that there's uh, more likely to be a, a bone stress injury there um, but that is something that i will i will track with that uh, with those um then it really can be a mixed bag actually in terms of um their, their capacity for that like i've seen this particular runner the other day had very good very good um calf strength so i do a lot of different calf measures so i look at you know standing calf raise to fatigue um he passed that with flying colors i look at a seated calf raise isometric uh he passed that with flying colors looked at some plyometric tests for him uh a little bit a little bit down but otherwise not uh, not too bad um we looked at uh, his running gait yeah not not that bad either uh and then also looking at for him we're looking at um uh his uh training load and that was a bit has it so for him we sort of identified that you know training load was probably one of the things that we wanted to focus on for him so again it's that individual nature whereas i've seen others with this this condition and they've got very poor calf capacity and you know their training's okay so therefore for them the, the focus is going to be on you know building that strength in, in through the uh, in through the calf mm. That's really interesting. The subcategorization that you've mm. got there of the of some and how it links to the behaviour yep. of some worsening and perhaps being more a bony yes. etiology and the, the ones that warm up maybe more periosteal etiology. Yeah. That's yep. a, that's an interesting um, way of maybe explaining some of the differences we see between people. So and yeah, then so, so now you're touching on contributing factors and and the assessment. So. Obviously, the calf plays a really important role yes. biomechanically, not just in performance, but in 
um, it, in sort of attenuating, for want of a better word, the forces that are going through it, your lower limb. And yeah, and lot, anyone that knows me knows how much I love the calves. So you, it's, your, uh, your it's, Instagram, it's the calves. <laughs> yeah, your Instagram is filled with calves and yeah. calf raise technique and, yes. and training and yes. yeah. So big part of of managing. Well, I mean, it's such an important. Um, you've got such a um, such a important part of your efficiency in running mm. as well, isn't it? Yes. Leverage through the ankle and yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so tell us a bit more about management of taking someone from the point where they when they come to see you. I imagine yep. most people have had enough. They're probably it's affecting their performance, their training. Um, they've probably tried other things. Yes, and then you need. Does it? How long does it take? And and yeah, how long until question. you can get people back to yep. to a more positive. Place. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I know I was having, we've had a student observing um, the last uh, last couple of weeks and, you know, we were having a chat about prognosis and, you know, expectations and what to tell, you know, people how long things are going to take. And it, it actually can be very, you know, very varied, especially when you're dealing with, with some of these chronic persistent issues, things like tendinopathy. I mean, we know from the research that that can take sometimes six to 12 months for, for and, and plus and beyond for, for pain to go away. And so my discussion that I'll have with the, with the runner is that, Really, first up, for most running injuries, uh, we can run with some level of pain. Uh, and, you know, I like to use Karen Silvernacles, you know, four to five out of out of 10 as, as being a guide. And, and people might ask, well, what does that, what does that mean? Um, it just means that the pain's there, but it's not really getting to you. It's not altering your gait. Um, and so, and it's not, yeah, it's, so it's, it's staying around that. That's what we sort of say, that mid to four to five out of 10. So I say that it's okay to, to have some discomfort with this, um, so long as we're not seeing it go above that during the run, after the run, or, or the next day we know that we're on the on the right track there now where these chronic conditions and things like medial tibial stress or, or tendinopathy we may have pain for, for a while but what we're going to see is we're going to see and this is the aim of, of what we're going to be doing in a management is we want to see your level of function so the amount that you're running is going up now even if the pain stabilizes that's still a good thing right because we're seeing that separation between function and and pain and that's where the the emphasis starts we start to draw them more towards function rather than and rather than being about pain and, and disability. Um, and so they're drawing them towards, well, look what you're able to do now. Yeah, the pain is still there, but now you're doing, you know, 60, 70 Ks a week and you're only able to do 20 before. Um, and so, and then before they know it, you know, they're, 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 you know, time may pass by and they're like, oh, actually, I don't even think I noticed the pain anymore. You know, they, they're so focused on on what they're doing and, and not focusing on that, uh, on that pain. So I think that's a really important one for these persistent conditions because the pain is likely to, to be there for a while. We need to sort of draw their attention away from away from that and and uh obviously making sure that we're not um, pushing it above that and and, and making it uh, making it worse um but um but yeah if we can keep the runner going in, in what they're doing you know my, one of my pet peeves is is uh those being told i'll oh, just you know it hurts my you know, knee hurts when i run we'll just don't run and i think that's really lazy from a from a pack from a practitioner's point of view because there's lots of things that they could be doing can they reduce their running can they run slower can they run faster can they run on a treadmill can they do some uphill running um you know can they do some water running can they do something you know something to get them back but just blanket saying don't don't do it um firstly you know a lot of runners it's part of their identity identity you know they they their, their social network is uh, are they running friends they talk about running a lot um and so taking that away from them can sort of see them really spiral into you know some some really negative um psychosocial outcomes as well too mm. so, so keeping we, them involved as much as as much as we can 
Yeah, that's a really important message. So, so especially particularly with this condition, but with other conditions, the running volume might be going up, the pain may be the same. And that sort of, that really, that's really important to understand that from the patient education perspective. Mm. And you talked about aligning expectations between you um, as the practitioner and the patient. Mm. If someone doesn't realize that, that this will take a long time and yes. it will probably have, you know, you will need to run through some pain, yep. then that's, then that's a probably a difficult place to, a difficult thing to figure out on your own as well. So Absolutely. That, that's and interesting. What, what conditions um, do you have the opposite message for when we think, okay, we, we do need to be, be using pain as a guide and yeah, not yep. running through pain? I'm well, thinking think of the, stress I mean, fractures. Um, yeah, absolutely. And- I mean, they're, they're the ones that we want to we want to be, you know, next to next to zero. I mean, there's there's there would be special circumstances where certain stress fractures, you know, lower risk stress, lower risk stress fractures, where you could have some discomfort there, but they are special circumstances that you know they've got a, an important race coming up. They're, everyone's educated in terms of what the consequences could be of you know of running through pain with this, but certainly with with uh, with stress, bone stress injuries, yeah, we really want to be keeping pain at. Uh, at a zero for that when we're when we're running, so really having to unfortunately for those there is a period of of offload for uh, for that, um, and that can be difficult. You know that can be difficult, um, especially with you know the the uh, injuries like your your femoral neck stress fractures and 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 your high risk stress fractures as well too, um, which can be some time off and and then it's a you know very slow gradual rebuild on the on the other side of it. Um, so unfortunately, you do have to take running away from them. Um, as a one of these one of these femoral neck stress fractures that I'm working with at the moment he's thankfully one one of them is a triathlete and so he's actually just happily swimming and riding and he's you know he's doing doing well on that and I sort of said to him the other day I said you know it's it's lucky you've got you've got these two because unfortunately you know runners that's that's often all they do and they don't have any sort of outlet like that and you, you take them away and they're just like well, what am I going to do now you know they don't like the gym they don't like bike riding um and they don't like swimming and um and so yeah it's it's uh, it can be can be quite quite challenging in that in that regard because it can be you know months of months off off deloading and then and then it's a slow gradual rebuild yeah what about if what conditions are somewhere in between? So you mentioned osteoarthritis before. You've got hip, knee, foot. Osteoarthritis yeah, is under-recognized. Um, yeah. how, much, how much is too much, do you think, for um, – for pain in those conditions with running, I'd still I'd probably put them with with OA and things like uh, you know I'm working with a lot of masters runners. You know a lot of them have had some have some some of that going on. Um, they may have some you know uh, uh, you know chronic meniscal injuries that, that, that they're dealing with there as well too. So so again with those, like I'd, I'd still put them in the in the, the the basket with that that four or five out of ten. So we can sort of keep them keep them going. And I think you know a lot of people over the age of once you get over there, I mean, I'm, I'm on the other side of 40 now. So once you start to sort of get to 40, 50, you start to accept that, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be springing out of bed in the morning. I might be sort of, you know, moving around a little bit. So it takes me a little bit longer to get to, to get going. So there is an acceptance that, yeah, we don't do it. We're not going to feel like we were 20, we were 20. Um, and, uh, or if, if that, if they are expecting that, then there's probably some education on the, that, that that's not reasonable to, you know, on themselves to expect that. Um, so I, I'd put them, yeah, I'd put them in the same basket. As, as as that but, but again i guess it also i mean there may be a discussion that you need to have about 
um, how much that's really worrying them, and 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 why that might be worrying them. Like in terms of if they're like, well, no, I don't, I don't want pain. Like, and, and whether you might need to have discussion, and well, why, why, what do you think's happening? Um, and they might sort of say, well, my knees crumbling, or my knees degenerating, or it's you know every if I'm running, it's going to be wearing my knees down. And uh, you know, a lot of people have got the thought of that they're like a car, you know, and um, and and just you know, the more you use it, the more it wears down. Uh, and thankfully, we are biological creatures that we can adapt and respond and so we don't need someone to, to come in there and change our knees over you know our body does that ourselves uh, there are so, a lot of good positive messages out there about about that do you yeah, think, do you think that's, I think there is what, do you yeah. think that's filtering through um, I think to so the, yeah. to the general population in, in terms yep. of what you see people coming in with the do you think there's less of those unhelpful yeah. messages out there getting through to people or i think so like i think the runners know it but i, I don't think that um you know non-runners would know this like we certainly see in in uh, you know in, in the circles mm. that i'm in and it is it can be a bit of an echo chamber as well where everyone's sort of saying the same message and everyone's like you know there's no you know running doesn't give you our way and i think that runners are probably exposed to that now but non-runners aren't like i still get people you know non-runners saying to me oh what are you running for you know you're going to get you're going to get uh, your knees are going to wear away and you know that um so that it's still it's still out yeah. there there is still a bit of a, a bit of that uh that attitude amongst amongst some but thankfully the people that that run um don't believe that and and that's 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 probably the most important because they think they, they're going to likely to keep going mm. so a message i'm getting from here is that there's a range of conditions that ranging from you know short term and less serious through to quite serious stress fractures for example hmm. um, a lot of them have common um, contributing factors training loads play yeah. a big part of them often people haven't had their training loads assessed as much as they could yeah. Yeah. and there's a lot of education that we can all benefit from yes um, so when when do you refer people for further investigations yep. or to other professionals or when when do you call it and say i need need to bring in yeah other people yeah patient I think, management I think, yeah and think having a, a you know a team is really really important so you know i've got um certainly you know if, if they if i suspect that there might be some some foot further foot issues through there you know i've got i've got good good podiatrists in in my network i've got you know i've got um sports psychologists uh we've got um sports doctors we've got sports dietitians we've got you know running coaches all these sort of things and i think with working when you're working with runners you know having good shoe stores that you, you work with as well that can you know properly fit uh, fit shoes um so all these sort of things it's really important to to uh to have into your your, your network um and uh i'm, I'm certainly fortunate to have some really good um professionals and and you know health and fitness and fitness professionals as well too in terms of strength and conditioning um in in my network so i think it, it really helps to to have that um especially if you're working with runners you know asking if they've got a coach and 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 you know keeping the coach in the communication because um an injured runner for them is no good because that's you know they're, they're more likely to abandon their, their training plan and and uh and so again working with the coach to figure out all right well what are some ways that we can keep them running you know get the get the, the more people you have working for the betterment of that runner the, the, the better and and it's it you know it makes runners are always you know really happy when they say oh look can you give me your coach's email address you know i'm gonna we're gonna send this this plan to you and i'm gonna cc them in on it as well so they know what's what's going on and the plan and how we're going to get back to things and how we're going to go about getting you back on the plan uh, and i've never had a runner say no i'm not going to give you my, my coach's details i was like yeah for sure please please talk about it you know if they've got a personal trainer 
you know, talking to the personal trainers about some of the things that the exercises that we might need to modify for the time being, but with the plan of, you know, keeping them going, keep them training. Um, you know, I don't think it's a great, certainly not a good way to, uh, to, to, to go about things. Um, you know, just telling the runner to, to stop, stop what they're doing. Firstly, we mentioned that the the detriment of the runner themselves, but also, as I said, to to those people that you know, the coaches that are that are that's their livelihood as well too. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of things to to consider there, and and it's all for the betterment of the uh, of the runner if everyone can work work together. And they're there seeing you because they don't want to stop. No, and they're looking right, for a exactly. way to, to manage that. So, yeah, and they yeah. could have quit all on their own without you, without yep. your sage advice to just that's, stop. That's so. exactly right. You can do that on their own. Yeah, for sure. That's it. What about sports doctors and yes. uh, and, and other investigations? Yeah. How, when do you bring in the sports doc? Yeah, so um, I mean, a good good case for instance, this this uh, recent um, uh, femoral neck stress fracture, um, this uh, this bone stress injury, uh, and so we had I I tend to. Uh, Generally, if someone's had a bone stress injury, I will get them to have a blood review with either sports doctor or their doctor if they're if they're you know uh, gets involved in, in more active people. But I usually prefer working with sports sports dietitian uh, sports doctors, um, and then I'll also get a review by sport sports dietitian. Now, again, I stress it's a review; it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Um, and quite frequently, you find, and as has been my experience, that that the runners are, are under fueling and they're not doing it on purpose. You know, they're not doing it to, I'm, I'm going to cut down weight, so I'm not going to reduce this much. They're just not eating enough. You know, they're just exercising way more than they're consuming. And it was actually the case with this this recent um, recent guy. Uh, I said to him, look, we're going to get a review here. He's like, yeah, I think my diet's pretty good. Okay, well, you know, you're not, not a trained sports dietitian and nor am I, so I'm going to send you to someone that is. Um, sent them to them and they reviewed it and they said, yeah, look, no, that, that isn't enough. Um, and uh, and he's like, yep, all right, took that on board and already started implementing uh, some of those tips as, in, uh, as he's recovering from it. So, um, yeah, always you know, getting a review if it's a bone stress injury, especially if it's the more proximal ones, so things like uh, uh, sacral, pubic or um, femoral neck are more likely to to be considering sort of underfueling and and maybe some red S as, as part of that as well. Um, more distal ones like metatarsals, like they can just be more training load related, but I think it's a good opportunity just to get a review anyway. You, you just said red S, let's yeah. define that. And at Sports yeah. Medicine Australia um, conference, which we we're talking about before we mm. pressed record um, that Susanna and I were at, and you missed out on this year, unfortunately. I there was know, a big, big keynote on on red S and um, that actually hit the, the local media, which yeah, was interesting. Um, yep. Yep. The, the local TV came in. So it's, it's a very big deal, yeah. um, under-recognized yeah. and now – getting more recognition. Let's tell mm. everyone what that is. Yeah, so red S is relative energy deficiency syndrome. So it used to be what's called the female athlete triad, um, but they obviously accepted that it happens in, in males as well. Um, and uh, in fact, most of the, most of the, Patients that I've had with it have been have been males, actually surprisingly. So, um, and uh, what uh, what it essentially is is it's it's underfueling, um, and it's a, it, it's core core part there is is not fueling enough, um, and therefore what happens with that is the body can't replenish itself, and and so obviously training breaks the body down, um, and we need energy to, uh, to to build that back up and build it stronger than what it was before. Uh, so if it's not doing that, it will sacrifice certain things, and bone tissue is. Is one of those ones that the body will, if it's thinking, oh, geez, we're under we're under stress here. We need to we need to be getting uh, 
getting energy from somewhere um, and that will then stop that um, or slow down that uh, that that uh, that bony rebuild. And that's where we sort of see things like uh, they're more prone to, to bone stress injuries. Um, we also see disruption to the sex hormones as well too. So in, in females, that's usually a, a cessation of the, their period. Um, in males, that can be a, a drop off in their, their sex drive as well. Um, so that is something that, you know, you do have to be comfortable with asking about if you're suspecting that that might be, might be going on. And your female runners, you know, asking, you know, do you have a natural period because sometimes if they're on the oral contraceptive pill then that you can't take anything from that because that's a chemically induced period um so that may be something that you again you know going to and speaking to their uh, physician or their sports doctor uh, about that as well um if you're thinking that that may be playing playing a role um and um so yeah that's what red s and, and it has been getting a lot more media attention in, in recent years i mean there's there was um a runner over in the us uh, mary kane who was part of the, the nike oregon project um that's now no longer but but um you know that was quite public in terms of some of the things that she endured in her time as a, as a professional athlete there that was, you know, almost body shamed and, you know, for very much focused on weight, get your weight down, get your weight down. And, and what you often see with these is that, um, especially at a high level, they, they have, you know, an obsession with weight. They try and cut weight. They may see an initial improvement in performance. They think that's great. They continue to cut weight. They start to prove and starts to decline. They think they need to cut more further decline. And that usually then ends in, uh, in ends in injury. Um, so there's also another, another, um, quite well-known case, um, or Tina Muir, who's a runner from the UK, and, and she hadn't had a normal period for, I think, for eight years, and she made the decision to stop running so that she could have a, have a family, and thankfully, she was able to do that shortly after after stopping. But yeah, they, they, it's becoming a lot more normalised to talk about menstrual health, um, and so it's not sort of such a, a, a taboo subject, and, you know, really can be a, 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 a quite a good reflection of, of, of someone's uh, someone's health. Mm, that's a great summary, Luke. That's and one of the first things you said in this episode was when I asked about running injuries, you said they're multifactorial. And if you think about the wide range of things you've touched on, and not just contributing factors, but management strategies and thinking about the whole person, you've really given us a, an explanation of why you said that, why it is multifactorial. I'm, I'm conscious of your time and you've got, uh, you've got to get back to your work in the mm. clinic. I can't finish this episode without asking about your running yes you ran a sub three sub three yes, hour marathon at <laughs> that a gold that was at the gold, gold coast, coast australia yeah. which yeah, is for was... the overseas listeners is halfway up the east coast where it's it's in um the dry season do they have mm. a dry season in um, the gold coast that's so more yeah. in the tropics well um, it's anyway it's in it's in winter so it's yes. not a, it's not super hot in summer um and it's a flat course Yep. where people go for their personal best. Is that yes. right? Yeah, that is what what took me up there, and and uh, it took me a few few tries to get there. But yeah, I was finally finally happy to do that, and that that then enabled me to uh, well, that qualified me for Boston, which I I then also ran uh, ran this year as well. So um, back in uh, back in April this year, I I went over and, and ran Boston, which was which was an incredible experience and and something that I'd I'd uh, one of the things that that got me into running all those those years ago was actually a, a patient who was going off to run Boston, and he was the one who handed me my first uh, marathon training program um so pretty much 10 you know well actually it was longer than that sort of 13 years after after that i uh, was able to to uh, to run it and i'm actually still uh, still connected with this uh, this patient and uh you know he mentioned on strava and i said well you know that was you know remember that time all those years ago and and so it was pretty pretty cool to to reminisce on on those those sliding door moments and what sort of the nudge i got got i got back then but no it was a, it was a great relief to finally do it after after failing uh three times 
Um, uh, so it was, yeah, it was a a, a really uh, really happy uh, happy achievement. So it was uh, one that was down to a lot of persistence and and just consistency um, was what uh, was what what got me there. Um, I think with the if there was one thing to come out of the, the COVID lockdowns, there wasn't a lot of else other stuff to do during that during that time. So I was enabled me actually to get um, a lot of training done, and that sort of gave me a really good base to then uh, to get that uh, that 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 run done last year. Was it hot? Uh, it was actually quite nice. It was it was a good it was a good day. It was good good conditions, uh, which was great. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd previously I'd, I'd, that was the third or fourth fourth time I'd, I'd run Gold Coast, and two other times before that I had felt the heat. Um, but I'd sort of changed the way I was running this time, in that I was running a lot during the middle part of the day during my lunch break, and so I think that okay. even just that extra ten degrees difference between running at zero degrees in the morning here in Melbourne versus uh, you know ten or twelve, um, it was certainly a lot closer to the, the the race conditions I was getting up there. So I think that helped prepare me a bit uh, a bit better for that um but it was it was a nice day so everything everything just went well it's probably my my best run to date um so uh we'll, we'll see if we can eclipse it at some point but um if not i'm i'm happy to uh, to rest on those laurels <laughs> how how many so i'm sorry i can't do it in miles yes uh, minutes per mile but how many yeah. minutes per kilometer is uh, that was just under four four fifteen oh well actually four fifteen is a sub three i i did uh uh, was that for? I did two fifty four. Ended up running running there, so which I think is four oh about four oh eight pace. Um, four minute, four minute and eight seconds. Uh, and what did they feel like? taking a picture next to the timing board there at the end yeah it was again it was just a relief after all the you know the and and you know you see all our runners go through the same and, and whether you're running a you know a sub three or you're running a sub four or even a 530 marathon you know it's just that the, the sense of achievement like i'm not mm. running races to win them and and nor are the majority of my of my patients you know you're trying to you're trying to beat yourself you're trying to better yourself and maybe there's a you know there's an incentive and, and actually the guy that i went up with his his time was uh was two 54.30 so I actually sort of said well I'm going to beat his time today so there was there was a bit of an incentive there to push me towards the end and I snuck under by uh, by a few seconds um, mm. but um, yeah it's just a relief to, to to have achieved you know what you set out to and all the work and the sacrifices that yeah that you put into it to know that it um, that it yeah it, it paid off was um, was quite satisfying. I was my best time is t- well over 20 minutes slower than you so you would have been sitting there on the finish line for 20 minutes waiting <laughs> waiting for me to come in but i, I, I would have waited that. for you would have waited that uh, with a big smile on my face yeah <laughs> i remember that it's a phenomenal feeling yeah. because of all the endorphins and all the yeah. expectations and all of the uh the camaraderie that goes yes. along in those events it, and yep. just it's just very hard as well and and yeah. it's and, and there's so much training that goes into it and when you finish yeah it's just a it's, it's almost a not overstating it, but I think it's a life-changing experience oh, it for people. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I was down for the, um, the Melbourne Marathon, and I did that. Just did the half marathon uh, last month, but I was I was waiting around after after I'd finished, and just watching all the people finish. And you know, I had lots of patients that were running it, and some of the, the the runners that I coach, and it was just amazing. Like I just sort of sat there and just seeing all these people that were, you know, some weren't weren't so happy they didn't get the time they wanted to. You know, there were tears, there was laughter, there was hugs, right. and and it was just yeah, it, it was it was such a such a, a great atmosphere. And again, just just to see so many people, you know, striving to do their best, and whether that's running five hours or whether that's running running three hours, it was just really, uh, really inspiring to, to see. <laughs> or yeah, or sub two hours, but that's yeah, that's yeah, a, a whole two, different beast, right. isn't it? That's, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, and, and you're doing a fifteen hundred meter track run. Yeah, this so weekend. Decided, yeah, decided to switch. 
yeah, decided to switch the track in, in a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it's something I'd, I'd always sort of said I'd, I'd, I'd uh, have a go at. And, and uh, um, this time of year, I thought, nah, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I did some cross country over the the uh, the winter, which I'd, I'd never really done before. Um, so, yeah, just sort of trying new things. And, and uh, you know, we we say running, but really within running, there's there's so much, isn't there? You know, you've got your ultras, yeah. you've got your trail runs, you've got your road runs, you've got your park runs, you've got you know everything. So it, it, it's there's something for everyone. On, I reckon, and and uh, so I'm just sort of mixing it up and trying to uh, again, yeah, not certainly not looking to to set the world on fire, but trying to set myself some some uh, goals and and see if I can uh, see if I can achieve them. Fantastic. Well, any final thoughts, Luke? Um, we've covered a lot of ground here. I think it, uh, I've tried to summarise the themes as we're going. The, the yeah. themes I've taken away from this are that um, we sort of hooked into last episode. We we talked about you know, the, the importance of listening and then exploring we touched on how you the processes you use to to assess people and and manage them but really dived into some some um contributing factors to running injuries and and one of the big things i got out of that was the not just the multifactorial nature of it but the 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 fact that the training load plays such an important role in it and the research supports that as well Mm. and it's potentially not measured as well as it could be but then we've got strava and and the other apps Mm. that you mentioned that are just sitting there waiting to be mined so i found that really interesting you had some really nice clinical tips for us in terms of the patterning of different injuries that can happen and talked about speed and volume of running and elevation changes fantastic um anything else any final thoughts you'd so no, I think, I think or... yeah, just to summarise it all, you know, going back to that that multifactorial nature of injury, you know, that that uh, that an initial consultation should be a real fact finding mission, and and going through talking about some of those things, looking at training load, looking at physical capacity, um, you know, if you're getting time to do things like running gait analysis, that that sort of stuff as well, um, and so I think yeah, just trying to assess the individual on their merits and uh, and then use your clinical judgment to ascertain what you think may be contributing and, and working out a, a plan to uh, to keep the runner running and and uh, and get them to um, yeah to, to to achieve what their uh, their, their goals are mm. well I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this knowledge with us I certainly My learned pleasure. a lot I hope everyone listening to this has learned a lot as well so Hope so. Um, it's always always great to chat running. So it's been uh, been a pleasure to talk to you again today, Luke. So you can look in the show notes. You can look at Luke's previous episode for. Uh, he's quite easy to find online if you <laughs> Google um, Sports Cairo Luke or Luke Nelson. There are other Luke Nelsons in the world, but if you put um, chiropractor or Sports Cairo Luke in there, up he pops. You can find him talking about calf raises and, and many other things on Instagram, any other social media, you're in, you're on the, all the usual social media, anywhere else yeah. that you, you want to direct people to, you've got your courses no. that you've mentioned. For yeah. With the Matt, Matt running course, we, we've got some, still looking at setting some dates there next year, but sort of following through, through social media, we'll, we'll keep everyone updated through, through that either Instagram or LinkedIn is where I tend to be uh, most active uh, these days. So um a bit yeah. old for, for TikTok. I am on there, but, but uh, I haven't got, haven't got quite the, uh, the hang of that one. So, uh, right. but, but no, happy with Instagram. I think it's a nice, positive, positive place, and and sort of you know end up forming quite a quite a number of friends actually through through that too. So uh, yeah, so no, anyone's more than welcome to uh, to hit me up and and uh, throw away any questions on there. I mean, there's there's junk on the internet, of course, and there's there's all sorts of mm. junk on social media, but yep. there is some phenomenal um, resources on there as yeah. well. If you think about the quality stuff that people are posting on there, mm. and you, I mean, yep. your account is a good example. You can flick through there and see. Some really nice 
summaries in the same way that infographics will summarize a, a complex research article. There's a lot, if there's a simple message in one of your posts there, there's actually a lot that's gone into that simple message. So yeah, it's well worth checking out. So. A great, a great learning resource yeah. for, you know, I've, I've, I've learned a lot from, from a lot of the people that I, that I follow. And, and again, you know, really uh, love the, the network that, and, and the community that, uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm a part of and, and uh, hope to, uh, you know, contribute to as well. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to do it again, but yes. thanks for now, Luke. It's awesome, been great Luke. and we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you. So until next time, this is Luke Nelson and Luke Periton wishing you all the very best with your studying, professional development and lifelong learning.